Hey there, I'm Emlyn Miles Mattingly, your host for the Minority Money Podcast. I'm glad you're here. You know why? Because this is the place you can come to get your weekly finance, family, and fitness motivation, not only to experience success in those areas for yourself, but also to help others in our community achieve greatness too. Super happy that you're on the show with me. So let's jump right in. Welcome back to the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. Welcome back to the show. We took a little break and we've been doing some different things, trying to retool and recreate the show a little bit. We just took a little time. We had been running episodes for almost three consecutive years. And this was a time for the host to step away. This is myself and just kind of rethink about how we wanted to do the show. Now we love the show. We love the format, what we're doing, but there was some specific things that we wanted to change. This next year, the show, we'll still have it out weekly and all that, but it's going to be a lot more solo episodes. So it's going to be more of me talking about a few different things, definitely talking about money, but talking about specific topics. So I won't get into that just yet. We'll save that for the next episode that we do. So the episode that we're going to start to begin the next year, we'll get into the details about what you can expect. Just know there's some changes coming. There's going to be a lot more solo episodes, almost all solo episodes coming up and they're going to change. We're going to change them to make them a little shorter. Maximum time will probably be about 20 minutes. But with that, I wanted to get to some of the episodes that we had last year and do a mashup for you. I wanted you guys to be able to hear some of the best episodes we had from last year, our most popular episodes. And first one we wanted to start out with was we had Brian Portnoy on the show. This is Brian and I we actually met in Miami earlier in the year at a conference and we recorded this one live in front of an audience. So this one, I hope you enjoy it. It is the episode with myself and Brian Portnoy about behavioral finance. Because behavioral finance as an applied matter has been kind of a dud. It really has and a long rambling view on that. But the fact is that it's been mostly, you know, a friend of mine calls it the behavioral finance entertainment complex. We have really fun, colorful infographics that list biases, confirmation, anchoring, recency, stuff like that. Our view is that we need to go beyond biases and get back to basics, to fundamentals, to what you put it in the coaching context, and just help people have better conversations about the things that really matter. The main thing that we're doing now, because I think it's important to stay focused, really 90 plus percent of what we're doing now, a couple client things off to the side, is a program called Building the Behavioral Advisor. It is a very carefully staged 100-day experience. There are eight modules that basically boil the ocean. We start with what is a human being mm -hmm. and then say, well, what is money? Because the human brain, this thing between our ears, was fully formed about 130,000 years ago. Money was invented 6,000 years ago. There's a mismatch. And so money is not just a means of exchange and, and a store of value and what we learned in seventh grade. It's an emotional lightning rod channeling Yuval Harari. It's arguably the most important form of social trust that's ever been created because I can go with a colorful piece of paper to a place where I don't speak the language and use that in a reliable form of exchange with someone I don't know. It, it's really unbelievable as a social institution. It packs in a lot of things. We know that it can be a cudgel to hurt others. It's a form of power. And so this program, Building the Behavioral Advisor, starts with humans, introduces money into the mix, and then we really get into the weeds in terms of 
let's take storytelling seriously. You're here in part as a ghostwriter, you meaning the advisor. You're listening to people and helping them tell a better version of their story because our stories are written in pencil, not pen. And so we have the opportunity, not entirely, but to erase and rewrite the parts that we want to. It's a skill understanding what narrative is, what our narrative identity is, and how that figures into our money life. We train advisors on empathy, as I referred to earlier, which Joy has the lead on. And, you know, what we found, just to tie a bow around it, is that there is an eager and active, you know, subset of the global wealth management industry, you know, U.S., Canada, U.K., Western Europe, Australia, a little bit Middle East. There is this subset of advisors who are like, finally, people who want to make this behavioral finance stuff practical and usable where they can, number one, be a better version of themselves, number two, be a better advisor, and then number three, build more profitable, wider moat businesses. Hope you enjoyed that. It's always a good time when I get to chat with Brian. Dr. Portnoy actually is such an incredible man and love every time that I get a chance to talk to him. This next episode we're going to have is one of my childhood friends. We actually met each other in high school. We ran track together and you'll hear us talk a little bit about this. The next one is I have my great friend Tamara White Hutchinson on the show and we talk about successfully changing careers in your 40s. And the reason why I think that's so important for us to have that on there is because I think that a lot of people are making those career moves in their 40s. And I think you're going to really enjoy this as Tamara gives you a little bit of insight into her journey and what she was doing with her career. You can use your brain and your energy to do the things that are going to up-level your life and up-level the life of the people around you. Because if you're just in survival mode, you don't have to do all of that. Like, you're just trying to keep the lights on. You're trying to keep the food in the fridge. Like, you don't have time for all these extra things, like, in terms of influencing the community and the people around you. What I like to call that right there is when you're on the grind. (laughs) Because grinding is, like, right outside of, you said, like, scarcity. Grinding is right outside of that. When you think about it, when you're in grind, survival mode, and I always think about this. Every time I think of the word grinding, I always think about E40. So when I'm grinding, I don't brush my teeth or comb my hair. And I'm like, bro, yeah, I'm grinding. Like, I got to get it. Yeah. And I think when you're in that survival mode, yeah. you really can't be the blessing that you could be if you weren't there. So with this, I think this is a good place. I got to get you the changing to complexion of wealth questions because we haven't even gotten there. But yeah, so as you know, this is the Minority Money Podcast, and we are changing the complexion of wealth. And so these are the questions that I always ask the guests. And so it is your turn. What motivates or inspires you to grow, learn, and lead? Yeah, I love that question. So I started practicing Buddhism a few years ago. And one of the tenets of Buddhism that I practice is it's about polishing your life. So really, the whole thought is that challenges are what actually make our life better. And being able to overcome those challenges and meet them is what actually makes our life better. And then you don't just stop with yourself because it's about overcoming those obstacles, but then also reaching back to other people and helping them overcome those obstacles. So for me, part of the journey with the CFP is that yes, it's extremely hard. Yes, Black and Latino folks are underrepresented, but I know that if I do it, 
and I can pass this and I can become an advisor and make a career change, it's going to inspire other people and they're going to know that they can do it also. And I also want to say something about that is that I am not a math person. That's why I went into communications. Like the math part has been very challenging for me and I have to work really, really hard in terms of understanding all of these financial concepts and I got the financial calculator and I'm doing all of it. But no matter how hard something is to you, it may not come to you naturally. If you stick with it and you continue to have that grit and determination, it's going to come together for you at some point. And so for me, this is really about encouraging and inspiring other people. So I think what encourages and inspires me is being able to achieve and then reach back to other people and help them. I think you're in the right career. I think this is where you belong. Do you think that education plays a big part in wealth building? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think it goes back to just from my own personal story. When I started out, I had that idea that if you work hard, that the money's going to come, which it does. But then it leaves very quickly, too, if you don't have the education. So we see this with a lot of people, especially in our community. You see a lot of professional athletes. They're working really hard. They've dedicated their life to their craft. They make a lot of money. But unfortunately, a lot of folks, if you don't have the education and the knowledge, you can easily lose that, right? So the thing about money that I want everybody to know is that it's not magical. There's nothing magical about it. There's nothing mystical about it. It's numbers. It's compounding interest. And once you educate yourself and you build that skill, you have it forever. So I think that that education is really important. And for me, education is what helps move me out of the feeling of scarcity, move me Mm -hmm. out of the feeling of anxiety, of never having enough. Once I started to really get a grasp and understand what makes money work, what is money, what's the importance of it, that's where I started to feel safe and supported by the world and by the work that I'm doing. And I can do that for other people now. So absolutely 100% believe in education of all kinds. Love it. If you could offer a piece of advice or pieces to our listeners, what would that be? Just get started. I think that's the biggest thing is just getting started. A lot of times people are so scared that they're going to mess up. And I always say, if you're starting with something, like if you're thinking about investing, think of an amount of money that it's like you're not going to miss it, right? It's not going to change your life. If that's $25 a month for you, for some people, it might be more, for some people, it might be less, but whatever it is, take that amount of money and dedicate yourself, say, for the next year or two, I'm going to set this aside in the index fund. And okay, say like the worst case scenario happens and you lose it. It's $25. You probably would have spent that on drinks anyways or something stupid, right? Hope you enjoyed that episode with Tamara. Like I said, we are very, very good friends. Her sister was actually on the show too. So if you hadn't had a chance to listen to that, she was on the show, I believe two years ago. Her name's Summer White. So if you want to look that one up, please go ahead and treat yourself to that. The next one we're going to talk about, I actually didn't host this one. This one was hosted by my wife. So we have Madi and Rosa Chalekian on talking about breaking glass ceilings in finance. And I love this episode. I think it was incredible. It was so insightful. And both of the ladies on the episode just really brought it. So enjoy that. I mean, I think we've come a long way. Now I think um, whether men like it or not, women are dominating this world and they're going to continue to make trenches and take more CEO positions and mm-hmm. run companies. I mean, we're seeing, especially in our industry, we're seeing more and more women take over and I'm loving it. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of men like your husband, like mine, they're huge advocates and yeah. support them. So we need more of that. 
No, absolutely. Because this because, is only the beginning. Oh, yes. Sure. And you're right, because I think even when we were talking about earlier about the perspective that us as women, when we come to making decisions or just different things, I know that sometimes when I've heard, you know, some of my direct supervisors, when you'd be like, well, I have to get home because, you know, the kids or something like that, men sometimes don't understand like, oh, these women, you know, they have to do all these things and, and now they got to go. And even having somebody like me manage other women and they'll be like, you know, I'm my daughter, I'm a single mother. Now I have to run to the house. I was taking her to school, but now her clothes are dirty. Now I got to go back home, get her changed. And I've had an employee tell me, you know what? I was very uncomfortable telling my old male supervisor that I had to do this. But I know that when I speak to you, you understand. Correct. Because you're a mom. But how sad is that? That everything or the entire responsibility falls on us. Even with married couples, I find it that it's always the wife, the mom that needs to figure out babysitting, Mm -hmm. needs to figure out their lunches. Like, why can't they Mm -hmm. help out? It's my thing. So that's one thing I'm trying to teach my boys. It's like, look how much I do and make them pitch in because I'm like, when you guys get married, when you guys have kids, it should be both of your responsibilities, not only her. I work. Yeah, I work all day. Or for example, if Alex has to go to a conference or whatever, and I couldn't go, I'm like, why is it my responsibility to stay behind or find babysitting? You know, like it should Mm -hmm. be both of us, Mm -hmm. like figure it out. And and I do that sometimes, like I'll leave and he'll text me like, what am I going to eat? I'm like, figure it out. If I was around, (laughs) and we'll joke about it, right? But I'm like, if I was around, what would you do? It's like, no, but. I think it starts when you think about us being independent and being able to make choices and do stuff like that. And I think about now, like I'm almost 40 and I'm like, that was just as I was being born, this was happening. And just to imagine that women like my mother and the women before me, that they couldn't do this. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes they were stuck in situations where they didn't want to be in because they didn't really have too many choices or where to go or what to do because, you know, women in the workforce wasn't, you know, necessarily a thing. And then now maybe they weren't, they didn't have income. And now they don't have the ability to create credit or have credit. So they can't go out and purchase a home or do whatever it is they want to do or buy a car. So it's just like insane to me to think that at some point in time, that was real. It is. And it's also sad how nowadays, because especially like, I don't know with you, but in my family, if you're a female or a woman, you're working and you're not married and you don't have kids, like there's something wrong with you. And no, mm-hmm. there isn't anything yeah. wrong with a lot of people. It's like maybe they're working hard to achieving their goals, to bettering themselves, to being mm-hmm. independent, you know, to being able to provide for themselves. But mm-hmm. I think our, what's the word I'm looking for? Our society has mm-hmm. made it seem like, you know, women need to do this, have mm-hmm. a career, be a mom, raise kids. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's not for everyone. So there's definitely a lot of pressure. I tell my nieces all the time, like, you don't need to get married. You don't need Mm -hmm. to have kids, you know, like, it's up to you. If you just want to go to school and you want to, like, my nieces, I want to be the president, you know, after Mm -hmm. Kamala Harris. And I was like, you can. I said, if you work hard and she's like, I don't want kids. I'm like, it's okay. You don't have to have kids. No one says we're meant, you know, only Mm -hmm. to, to do that. And the last episode that we wanted to put on here today was motivation versus commitment. Now, this was a solo episode that I did. Like, this was a question that was posed to me. Someone talked to me. They said, which one do you think is better, being motivated or being committed? And I give you my ideas around motivation versus commitment and why one I think is better than the other. I think both of them are good, but I think 
commitment is something that happens. And I'll let you listen to the highlights from that episode so you can have your own thoughts about that. And before we talk about the failure of motivation, let's talk about the power of motivation. You've seen it. You've seen it. When you watch that video, when you hear those encouraging words, when you get that phone call, all those things will motivate you to accomplish something that you need to do, something that you value to do, or push you forward towards a goal. And I think those are all great things. However, when motivation isn't enough, when motivation doesn't get you out of bed, when motivation doesn't push the needle, then what? A lot of times, this is where we start to fail. Five days, day six, day seven, day eight, when the motivation isn't there, when I don't have the desire, I don't have the fortitude, I don't have what I need to get through in terms of motivation. This is why I think motivation should lead you to commitment, right? And commitment to the goal, to the full assimilation of more than 20, to committing to a goal is something that is set in stone, right? It's a little more, when I say set in stone, let me back up off that. Not exactly set in stone, but it's a commitment that you're committing to doing something no matter how you feel right? I'm committed to success. I'm committed to excellence. Commitment involves dedicating yourself to something like a personal or cause, right? And before you make the commitment, you have to think very, very carefully because the commitment obligates you to do something, right? Motivation says, I'm going to do it when I feel good. The commitment says, I'm obligated to do this. And because I'm obligated to do this, because I have an allegiance to do this, because I'm dedicated to this, because I'm loyal to what I'm trying to do, I'm going to do it. And it requires a higher level of, oh yeah, commitment to do this. And so what I'm saying is in those times when you're thinking about doubting your ability to accomplish the goal that you set for yourself, whether it's a savings goal, there's tons of goals. And I hope you have, I hope you were able to listen to the goal setting episode that we had last year. But if you haven't, please go back and listen to that so we can talk about how to set some goals. But when you get to the point where you said, you know what, I said I wasn't going to smoke. Let's just use smoking, for instance. When you get to that point and you say, you know what, I'm not going to smoke anymore. Now you're thinking and you're craving a cigarette because this is real, right? When you get to that point and you're starting to crave that again, you have to look back at why you committed to something, right? Because commitment requires something. Commitment obligates you to do something, right? And so when you look back, you have to say, why am I doing this? Why am, what was my motivation, right? That's my why. What was my motivation? Well, what did I value? If I stopped smoking and that was what I was trying to do and the things that I value are my family and my health, then now my family and my health is the strength that I need to make the commitment to not doing something that I said I wasn't gonna do. So what I'm saying today is, when motivation gets you started, as it should, I'm motivated to do this. I'm motivated to do that. I have something that I need to get done, whether it's losing weight, whether it's saving money, whether it's preparing for retirement, whether it's building a better relationship with your kids, what have you. When you have that need, that is just the motivation. But to get from motivation to commitment, you are going to have to make some personal obligations to yourself. And say that I'm doing this because I want to be better. I hope you enjoyed this mashup of 2022. This is the last episode we're going to do this year. 
Wanted to make sure that we got this out to you. This is coming after Christmas. I hope everyone had a wonderful holiday season. I hope you had a great time with your family. Hope you enjoyed your friends. For those of you that may have been having your first holiday season without the loved one that may have passed away, I want to make sure that we extend our, you know, our thoughts and feelings of gratitude to you. And I want to say to everyone that has listened to the show since the beginning and those that have caught up to the show now, I really appreciate you. We appreciate you here. Everyone with the Minority Money Podcast team, my family, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate how much you've shared our episodes this year. We have had so much growth in our listenership and growth, you know, even international. We have listeners all over the world and we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We are so grateful for all of your listenership and for, you know, the encouraging emails that we get and the comments that we get, you know, helping us with our rating. So I said all that to say this, 2022 was a hell of a year. Learned a lot. And we're looking forward to 2023. See you in 2023. From all of us here at the Minority Money Podcast, we want to thank you. And until next time, we are changing the complexion of wealth. Another great showdown, but it doesn't have to stop there. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening on now and give it a good rating, would you? If you feel really connected to the podcast, which I hope you do, find our Facebook community, Minority Money VIP to support and be supported by others just like you. And again, we're glad to have you. While this podcast is meant to inspire and motivate you to live your best life, it can't be your complete one-stop shop. I know, I know, that really sucks. But I don't know anything about your specific situation. So please reach out to an attorney or CPA, or you can reach out to me, a financial planner, to help you with your specific situation. To get a hold of us, please reach us at fan at Minority Money Podcast. That's F-A-N at Minority Money Podcast so we can get to know you there. Thanks for being here and until next time.